and welcome to George's Poetry Workshop. I hope you've had a fantastic week and that you're getting lots of writing done. If you have been tuning in for the last 11 weeks, well, this is week 11, uh, then you're kind of halfway to a pamphlet, <laughs> which is quite amazing, really. Um, so thank you so much for being here, for listening, for sticking around. And today we are going to be talking about ideas of transformation. I think this is in my head a little bit because I teach English as well. I teach English GCSE and A-level. And of course, the first English literature exam is happening or or happened this morning. I'm recording this on Wednesday, so uh, yeah, it will be yesterday for you. Um, and I've been teaching a lot of Jekyll and Hyde and... If you if you don't know the story, it's kind of the the kind of mirrors the story of the Incredible Hulk, <laughs> um, or rather, the Hulk mirrors Jekyll and Hyde in that it is about a man, a Victorian gentleman, who creates a substance, a potion that he drinks and that transforms him into Mister Hyde, who is quite a villainous character, and. What's really fascinating about this idea of transformation, I think, is that people describe Hyde, um, Jekyll himself describes Hyde as quite a, an evil character, but also he, he describes him as having energy. And I think that's really exciting and interesting because there's a positivity in that. and something quite thrilling there about the this dangerous nature of Hyde that Jekyll actually feels very enthralled by because it's part of who he is. There's a kind of idea that he can play with this part of himself, that it's a freer part of himself. So when we're thinking about ideas of transformation in your own work, if you're if we're thinking about it in terms of a kind of other self, this kind of idea of people being split in two these ideas of duality what kind of energy does that other self give you um so that might be something to explore i've also been thinking about um goblin market i really i really love as you know if you listen to the first episode i love that poem it's very much a touchstone to me um touchstone uh, was a term coined by Matthew Arnold and it's used to talk about poems that we perhaps go back to that support our own writing. We have such a level of admiration for it and it's so technically good that we base some of our own works off it and feel very inspired by it. So I mean thinking about Goblin Market and how the goblins in, I mean, a lot of people talk about it in terms of religious ideas. I think too that there's a really interesting um, conversation about gender to be had around it and how men in the poem are actually the goblins, how the goblins kind of give um, give love to the young girl and then leave straight away and starve her almost to death. So I find that idea of transformation using uh, 
um, a creature as a metaphor for something, someone else, a, a human being, quite fascinating as well. So we'll revisit a bit of Goblin Market today and talk about a few other poems as well. So we'll start off with a poem from the Best of Poetry London anthology. Um, this was the 1988-2013 version. And I'm going to read a Michael Simmons Roberts poem called Man in a Fox Suit. Thin red hide, flea-ridden, caked in mud and cack, thorns snagged, he limps at dawn through bare-backed woods, neck ricked and panic rising. Tongue is purple, marked with plum and elder, no, his mouth is brackish, stained with bird blood. At odds with the wild, this double-double spy has tried to feign a genome mapped to brushwood, amber, carrion. He lives in terror of the true dogs tearing him to pieces in defence of mate or prey to win his ground. Vixen screams in season now, beleaguer his weak heart and I, sole witness, see him rear up as a man, unlock a house where he will stretch out in a warm white bed and cast his rust coat like an old rug on the floor. He cannot help but hear the dog fox after him with dry staccato barks rattling through skeletons of trees. What a fabulous final line, rattling through skeletons of trees. So we have this transformation of a fox to a man. So something you might like to think about with your poetry later, when we sort of turn back to it for the final prompt, is perhaps writing this kind of transformation, a human being into an animal or vice versa, and what that would look like, and perhaps what the consequences of that might be. It's particularly important at the moment where there's been a lot of debate in poetry about how we might talk about ideas of the environment and nature and humans' connection with the natural world. And it's fascinating how humans are often spoken of as separate, despite the fact that we are all animals. Really, really interesting to consider there. And this one's written in couplets, so you might like to try that as well. We then are going to have a look at an anthology again. It's by Bad Betty Press and it's called Alter Egos. I just love, love, love this Matthew Haig poem. It's the first one in the anthology and it is called Alter Ego One, Isabella Rossellini in Death Becomes Her. Her mouth shape, the word cardamom, skin tone, scorpion milk. You could boil a diamond down to liquid, still she'd walk it. Nine years old and drinking her through the TV. A boy is not meant to get glamour, but this plunging neckline is life. A flowing smoke-grey coat with clamshell collar, the vital points of lacquered nails, tapping a bourbon glass, and how about that frosted planet of Fabergé egg? These are the women which men like me swallow. We live through their cool, their sense of ease with themselves. That is everything. Everything. 
I had no gun as a boy, no air rifle, no pistol, no plastic PK-47, but let's say that I'd had, it would have been a revolver, something drawn from a clutch with a crisp snap to it, something that would look good in a fishnet gloved hand, a silver dream in a web. I just love this sort of ode to Isabella Rossellini and this exploration of self-expression throughout the piece and, and the kind of listing of various beautiful things. It's just a fantastic poem. And the form is really interesting too. Um, Haig uses a lot of slashes. So between, so her mouth shape slash the word cardamom cardamom is italicized too it's it's very very beautiful these vowel sounds and and the sort of slashes sort of balance out the the lines um and make everything as valuable as the next thing um which is really interesting i didn't hadn't thought before about how commas don't look quite as um balanced or rather they sort of there's a that slash makes both sides of the phrase of the line look as important as one another, whereas a comma might emphasize one part of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Something to think about in terms of punctuation choices in, in what we're writing. Okay. I'm going to rock on with a bit of goblin market again. Um, I do. Th I think people enjoyed this poem. I got a few messages from people <laughs> um, saying, come by, come by. I got a lot of come by, come bys coming in. It's so memorable, isn't it? Uh, from that first, from that first, that was in that first podcast um, on anarchist poetics. And I wanted to go into the poem a little bit further, thinking about the idea of the goblins as, as, um, men particularly um and i think i noticed it more and more as the poem went on because of the kind of physicality the this is a very sensory poem it's a lot about touch and taste and we have this and what's amazing is that it takes the comfort of it's one sister comforting the other and supporting her and that's how goblin market ends is with this lovely show of women appreciating and showing love to one another and it's a true love i think the love that the goblins give is it's not a true love and it's certainly probably more sexual than anything else um the moment that i'm going to read i'm going to read two sort of little different sections the first is about Laura's response to Lizzie being able to hear the goblins because she can't get hold of the fruits anymore because she's already tasted them. I have always wondered if this is a comment on the that 19th century ideology of put, placing a lot of value on a woman's virginity and this idea that the fruits... And this idea that once Laura has tasted these goblins' fruits, 
she's no longer desirable and they no longer want to provide her with the fruits anymore. So that's the kind of, that was my first interpretation of this poem. I'm going to read the section where Laura has that realisation that Lizzie can hear the goblins calling, but she can't. Laura turned cold as stone to find her sister heard that cry alone, that goblin cry, come by our fruits, come by. Must she then buy no more such dainty fruits? Must she no more that sucker's pasture find, gone deaf and blind? Her tree of life drooped from the root. She said not one word in her heart saw ache, but peering through the dimness, naught discerning, trudged home, her pitcher dripping all the way, so crept to bed and lay silent till Lizzie slept, then sat up in a passionate yearning and gnashed her teeth for bolt desire and wept as if her heart would break. Day after day, night after night, Laura kept watch in vain, in sudden silence of exceeding pain. She never caught again the goblin cry, Come by, come by. She never spied the goblin men, hawking their fruits along the glen. But when the noon waxed bright, her hair grew thin and grey. She dwindled, as the fair full moon doth turn, to swift decay and burn her fire away. So it's this real sense of intense rejection in in these moments. And so Lizzie has to go and try and get some fruits for her, otherwise she will die. And when she goes to the goblins, she tossed them her penny. Nay, take a seat with us. Honour and eat with us, they answered, grinning. Our feast is but beginning. Night yet is early, warm and dew-pearly, wakeful and starry, such fruit as these no man can carry. Half their bloom would fly, half their dew would dry, half their flavour would pass by. Sit down and feast with us, be welcome guest with us, cheer you and rest with us. Thank you, said Lizzie but one waits at home alone for me. So without further parleying, if you will not sell me any of your fruits, though much and many, give me back my silver penny I tossed you for a fee. They began to scratch their, scratch their pates, no longer wagging, purring, but visibly demurring, grunting and snarling. One called her proud, cross-grained uncivil. Their tones waxed loud, their looks were evil. Lashing their tails, they trod and hustled her, elbowed and jostled her, clawed with their nails, barking, mewing, hissing, mocking. Tore her gown and soiled her stocking, twitched her hair out by the roots, stamped upon her tender feet, held her hands and squeezed their fruits against her mouth to make her eat. It's a really violent moment here, very physically violent, and these kind of name call this kind of name calling mirrors, I think, sexual assault. So I do wonder if Rossetti is making comments about misogyny by using the metaphor of goblins for very unkind and abusive men. 
something interesting, I think, to consider when it comes to difficult themes when we're writing, it might be useful to use an, a metaphor to explain to to explore the ideas that you want to talk about um both difficult and also those that are more easily written as well and at the end of this we have these this wonderful moment where lizzie saves her sister and it's just this wonderful wonderful moment of of women's women supporting one another and I, I do really enjoy the the end of goblin market so if you can uh give it a little read um i've got the sort of one pound penguin classics i think it's, it's number 53 um little black classics so yeah great little book and well worth well worth the uh, pound investment <laughs> um so we are going to have our pause for free writing. If you're new to the podcast, the free writing is the moment where we take about five to seven minutes. I always think seven is the best amount of time. So take seven minutes to have a go at writing freely, which means you continue to write until the seven minutes are over. If you can't think of anything to say, you just keep writing like I don't know what to say over and over again until something pops into your head um, I do give a prompt as well so you can use it but you don't have to the prompt for today is mirror mirror and you're thinking oh mirror everyone writes about mirrors well they don't in the way that you write about mirrors <laughs> so um, have a little go at that and when you hear the bells feel free to pause the podcast and do your free writing and come back for the final prompt. Welcome back for the final prompt. I always say final prompt, but then end up listing loads of different ways you might approach something. Um, maybe I need to rename it, but here we are, the final prompt. Um, and just before I do, I would like to take this opportunity to say that this podcast is funded by you, the listener. And if you're enjoying the podcast and you're finding the workshops helpful, then please consider buying me the equivalent of a cup of coffee through my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash George's Poetry Workshop. I really appreciate any support that you may be able to give and so do other people who might not be able to afford other workshops. This is a free workshop and everyone supports everybody else. So if you can afford it, thank you very, very much. And thank you to those already donating. And if you can't, then just keep listening and participating. And thank you all for supporting me through listening to the podcast. I'm very grateful. So the final prompt, of course, is involving transformation, ideas of transformation. And, and you may already have some ideas from what we have been discussing so far. So things to consider, approaches that you might take then are thinking about a transformation of one thing or one person into another thing or person. So it might be that the fox into a man or 
a wolf into a woman. It could be changing um, the, the ocean into a huge bowl of jelly and see where that takes you. If you're if you write for children, then that might be something to try. Um, writing about an alter ego, the kind of Jekyll and Hyde idea, perhaps another side of yourself you haven't explored, perhaps getting that side to do things that you never would imagine doing. If you've always wanted to try drag, you might create your drag persona through poetry. There's so many different ways that you might explore this this prompt. I'm also thinking that it would be useful, like um, Michael Simmons Roberts did, is to consider how form is used. So the couplets are quite interesting because there's two. And this idea of alter egos and other selves is always involves two, it's duality, it's a duo. So couplets kind of highlights these ideas. So writing in couplets might be something that you'd like to try. It might be that you write in two stanzas as well. It might be that you create a transformation that involves three different selves or four or five and and explore all of these you know it could be exploring how different the world might be in different scenarios so you can think big or you can think also minuscule considering what could happen in a day if you painted your nails a certain color or what happens on a day that you paint your nails a certain color you know on different days i don't know but there are lots of kind of interesting ways that the world around you might change who might speak to you depending on what you're wearing or what um what oh, I don't know why I'm thinking about nail polish I think it's because I saw my friend's amazing nails <laughs> on Instagram this morning um there were these, these beautiful green so enjoy enjoy playing with both the language and the form with this prompt and see where that takes you Thank you very, very, very much for listening to week 11 of Georgia's Poetry Workshop. You can find me on Twitter at GC the Writer. You can find me on Instagram, also at GC the Writer. Um, I've just got my, I've just put a photo of me up uh, at the Newcastle Poetry Festival on both of those. Uh, which was very exciting last Friday. And I would like to thank of course Portamento for creating the music for George's Poetry Workshop see you all next time bye